Great. So welcome, everyone. Welcome, Alex, uh, to Zero Ambitions podcast. Thanks for coming on. Um, Alex, we've asked you to come on because the Wise Group have published a report just last week on Light Soft, Lights On, I think is the, is the title, but it's primarily around um, assessing fuel poverty in the west of Scotland. So we thought it was a, a perfect opportunity. I mean, here we are, midst of winter or the onset of winter, um, middle of a pandemic again, and in the midst of a fuel crisis, I think often a I don't know how you guys feel that we talk about buildings, we talk about sustainability, climate change and fuel poverty, but we don't often talk about the context or the, the people at the end of, of that line. And I think Alex has done some, Alex's organisation has done some great work in terms of all of that and bringing that more into the kind of consciousness of, of some of the things we think about. Um, Alex, is it possible for you to give us a, a bit of a blurb about the wise group, who the wise group are, what you do? I'm conscious we know each other, but maybe, maybe that's how we'll start things off. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, firstly, thanks for having me along, and I'm, you know, I'm delighted to be able to to talk um, and sort of put um, what we've been talking about into the context of of what I know you guys are experts on. Um, but yeah, to kick off, um, yeah, I'm I'm with the Wise Group, and the Wise Group is um, one of the UK's leading social enterprises, and our our, our mission is around lifting people out of poverty, um, and we do that successfully. We've been around for nearly forty years now, and we do it at scale as well. Um, the the challenge is always there, you know, and, and sadly, um, organisations like the Wise Group have, uh, are needed now more than ever as a result of the pandemic and a range of other things. But what we do, how we lift people out, are uh, uh, one of our key. Um, you're, sorry, uh, you're breaking up a bit there, Alex. I, I don't know if it's my connection, um, and, and I, right. I guess it matters if it's if I'm recording this. It does matter, doesn't it? So what I'll do is I'm going to turn my screen off. Um, okay. That might um, make it, you know, it is your end, Jeff, because it was crystal for us. Boo. Okay, Grant. Um, okay, that should make it better, hopefully. Okay, Grant. Um, so, what I was saying is, you know, um, uh, we have a range of key focus areas in terms of how we lift people out of poverty. Um, one of them is around employability and employment support. So, we help people back into work. Those furthest from the labour market, those uh, facing the most barriers to, to progress. Um, and we deliver that, um, again, at, at various different scales. Um, at the moment, we are delivering directly for the Scottish government and the UK government uh, on um, significant programmes supporting people back into work. And just to give you a, an element of scale, um, one of the programmes we launched, which is a, a COVID response programme, since January this year, um, the programme helped its 4,000th customer back into work. Um, two weeks ago now, so gives you an idea of of um, kind of what we're what we're doing. Um, we are we also work um, across the justice sector, providing through care um, and person centred mentoring to people coming out of the justice system. We deliver directly for the Scottish government um, on a public social partnership for all male short term offenders, and we deliver across England and Wales as well for the Ministry of Justice and the National Probation Service. So again, it's about reducing reoffending. We have phenomenal success in our our approach around supporting people to more positive destinations. And then I suppose the other key element that we're, we're here to talk about today is, that, is our work in fuel poverty. So we deliver energy advice and fuel poverty work um, across the UK. Um, and, you know, lots of it, um, lots of our work um, focused on Scotland, and I'm sure we'll talk some, about some of that today, but we work we work nationally and we, we provide advice and support through um, government services. We deliver the Home Energy Scotland, Scottish government, but we also act as a, a, a strategic delivery partner for the energy industry as well, help supporting vulnerable customers. So, and that's that's a, a key part, and that's that's part of um, what we've highlighted in our our recently um, published report around our, our our fuel poverty and our mentoring services. And I suppose just to, to round that off, the, the the theme that runs through all of our our work in terms of how we support people is our is our strong mentoring approach through our employability, our justice work and our few poverty work is how we work with individuals and we walk alongside them to get them to positive destinations. And we know, you know, through through decades of experience, that's what has success for us. And, you know, that's 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 where we are now talking to, to more stakeholders, to policymakers around how we can how we can utilize that kind of approach to help more people. That's remarkable. You must have your hands very full this winter then. Yeah, absolutely. Prices, you know. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's one of one of the elements that was highlighted in the report. And you know, I, I speak to my colleagues. We've had not far off a two hundred percent increase in the the yeah. engagement with our services, particularly our, our fuel poverty and energy advice services. Um, and there's been some interesting developments in that in terms of um, the the demographic of the people we're helping now. We classically um, help people who are at a point of crisis, who are in fuel poverty, who have very very um, low incomes and various different challenges in, in terms of, you know, if you put it in the lens of energy, in terms of how they can afford to heat their homes. Um, and interestingly, what's going on at the moment with the energy market um, is that um, uh, more, more people who, are ne- who haven't necessarily struggled before that might be struggling now or need to get an understanding of what is going on, what it means to them, right? My supplier's gone bust. My bill's gone up by 400 quid. What can I do? You know, um, and because it's a complex market, you know, even for the most financially literate, it can be difficult to navigate. So, you know, and we know for those who um, who who aren't as financially, who aren't able to make some of the choices that those um, with who who are more affluent, who have more money, can can make, then it really is challenging. And that's that's the reason we have our services, um, and that's the 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 place where we have a significant impact. Um, and I suppose the, the the work we've done around the, the report, um, you know, some, and I know probably included, may find some of it surprising. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a sad state of reality, um, but it shows the phenomenal need for the types of services that, that we and, and, and others deliver for those people that, you know, um, feel like there is no, there's no help and there's no hope in terms of how they, how they address the you know fuel prices, fuel poverty, and and their I suppose the the way that their income is, is squeezed, and then the 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 challenge of of the the environment at the moment. You know we are going into winter post COVID. We are we are we are now you put into the mix the the, the volatility of the energy sector and what that means from a supply and a, a cost point of view. The end to to furlough the end to the twenty pound uplift in universal credit, um, it is very. We know I'm sitting here. I broke the ice on um, on my um, uh, the puddles by my car this morning. It's really cold, so it's all it's all starting to come to a head. Um, and I think it's you know it's a really good. We've been talking about this for a long time, but this is a really great time to be really you know putting this back to the spotlight again and and talking about how there's more needed. So when you mentioned uh, different kinds of demographics, my mind, my infantile mind, immediately ran to uh, images of of, uh, of certain uh, MPs um, uh, uh, seeking advice for how to heat the duck island, the moat around their duck island. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, I, I'm yeah, there, there, there's a, there's obviously something much much more serious going going on here. This isn't so, so sorry, sorry, Dan, but this this is in some ways, Alex, a, a perfect storm, isn't it? And we, we and, and we talk here. I mean, we've been talking in our podcast, and and look, you know, I say this from a position of relative comfort. I'm sure we're all in the same boat. You know, the 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 energy crisis or the the off chain cap or the removal of that. Yeah, sure, it's impacted everyone, but look, guys like us can to an extent afford that. But I guess this is a perfect storm. What you're saying about furlough, about benefits, about the, and, and now the lack of choice. Because what what normally your team and I should say here that uh, Alex's organisation supports my organisation, and I think we've got four advisors dedicated yeah, from uh, the, the Wise Group just now. And it's where normally your advisors would be trying to find and negotiate with a number of different suppliers the best bill. You can't do that anymore. Because even 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 the government saying there's no point in switching, you're not going to get a, a deal. So I suppose the storm has come to a head with the lack of choice. And you know, if you could maybe give us a flavour for the human side, you know, you mentioned the figure there of four hundred pounds. That's a lot of money for me. But what's that like for some of the customers that you're dealing with? Just before you go on there, like Duncan, I fundamentally disagree. It's not a perfect storm. It's a natural consequence of everything yes. that's been taking place yeah, yeah, over the past. I mean, you can go back three, four decades. Yeah. But this has been the the perpetual erosion of yeah. any sort of support benefit and the, the perpetual introduction of the illusion of choice yeah. that, that people have and the, the siphoning off of uh, public funds 
into private bodies. Not, not, not I'm, I'm not trying to take it on a, a militant tack here, yeah. but like there's a, a fun, like the rising costs are not strictly affected by. It's not strictly to do with the markets. Yeah. It's the the plurality in the markets, yeah. like the illusion of competition, giving people the illusion of choice, and the 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 fact that the efficiencies are never manifest. Yeah. And where they are manifest, they are never passed on to a consumer. Like yeah. from Alex and I's perspective, my Alex rather than you, new Alex, uh, <clears throat> this is a UX, uh, user experience catastrophe. Like what you described throughout the document is people finding labyrinthine, finding themselves trapped within a labyrinthine system, uh, not just like trying to acquire energy and heating. Mm. It's, it's, trying to make their way in the world at all because it as you alluded you the wise group has a much broader remit than just looking at energy energy is just like the worst case scenario right now sorry uh, i think that's that's i suppose it's a it's a good point to highlight why we have the success in the approach that we we take which is which is that mentoring um mentoring approach because you know if you think about energy yes it's a complex system and it's, it's difficult to navigate. You look at your bill, and I challenge anyone to say that they fully understand 100% of what, what is on there, calorific values and kilowatt hours and things. You know, and it's, it's, it's almost deliberately complicated. Um, but, you know, and there, and there are hundreds, thousands of excellent services already out there that can support people. Um, some, you know, um, but one of the challenges is that as they can be quite sort of binary in terms of I can help you with this and I can help you with that and and the the perception of those can be great and it can be not so great but what where we have success is where we engage with the, the our customers who are predominantly the most vulnerable people in society and we we work with them we tailor that relationship um to to their needs and sometimes we're advocating on their behalf and sometimes we are we are gently supporting them from a distance. We make that relevant to that to the, the individual, but we are walking alongside them to access, you know, things that already exist. We're not reinventing any wheels. We have some excellent services that have amazing, amazing success. One of the reasons they have success is because we're able to confidently and um, successfully access um, other services, other elements of support that, that people perhaps aren't aware of. Well, they're just too scared to engage with because there's this, I mean, one of the things we don't talk about, we, we talk about in our report, we haven't talked about it, is the stigma here that comes with, with all of this. So, you know, do I want to tell you about the debt that I'm in, the, the circumstances that my family find themselves in? You know, there's a massive stigma that acts as a, you know, an obvious barrier. So that relationship that we build and the way that we work with people and we, you know, we walk alongside and we talk about, you know, being the glue that holds a lot of this together as we support people to improve their circumstances. And we do it in a way that doesn't create a dependency. So they don't, when the wise group engagement falls away, they don't fall back onto hard times. We work as hard as we can as, and as much as we need to, to ensure that they're in a positive place, whether be it with their energy, be it with employment or all of these things. So that, and but I think, you know, that you, the point you made before about choice is a really important um, because your podcast is about, um, you know, it's, 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 it's net zero. It's talking about the, the ambitions we have as a planet to decarbonize uh, and, and take control of, of the, the impact of climate change. And the people we work with are people that, you know, and again, we identify this, are some of the greenest in society, accidentally. And, in, in, you, know, <laughs> you know, they don't use self-disconnect they're they're spending they're using zero kilowatt hours in some months and some you know some weeks so and but their association with their impact on on you know moving towards net zero or, or having an impact on climate change there's not necessarily that that um association and duncan talked about you know the the, the relative position of comfort we all might find ourselves in today as we have this conversation and we might we might be in a position to make consumer choices that help you know, we might be thinking about our next car or the tariff we are picking or what all these kind of things. But those are those are consumer choices that we're able to make in terms of how we how we can contribute to that that race towards net zero. Our customers, our customers are thinking about where their next meal comes from and how they, you know, what, what it is they can do to feed their kids 
Um, and that's one of the things that we we think is most powerful with the report that we've you know, that we've published um, in the last few weeks. But also, it's what we what we hear from our customers on a daily basis. It's what is it? It's not about the statistics. It's not about the the academic side of of poverty, which we could talk about all day. It's about what does it feel like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? You know, it's it's our customers who say, you know, they have, they're giving their kids a bath once a week, or they're going to bed early to save money on on their fuel bills. You know, and uh, throughout the, the the research and the, the, that was done for the report, you know, you'll see some of the the phrases that our customers give us about what this feels like. That's the bit that hits home. You know, nobody can ignore that part about the the impact of some of these 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 terrible choices that people are forced to make and then what that feels like from a yeah. from individual perspective yeah because 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 we talk about fuel poverty in the abstract and I, and I do that quite, you know myself I, 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 you know um and 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 I think reading some of the the, the some of the comments in the report and some of the, the narrative was 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 quite distressing to be honest with you and I think it's interesting you talking about the, the 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 shame around debt and how perhaps maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't see the visibility of that at a, at a larger scale. But let, let's be honest, this is something that is getting progressively worse, and that is in significant numbers. We're not talking about a minority yet. Your report is a sample of about five hundred households, but and and that's prim, primarily across Glasgow and the West. But you know. This is something that affects all parts of the UK to, to, to varying different degrees, but we're talking a significant proportion of people. We're talking UK four million people feel poor, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean the, that stigma, though. I mean, sorry for cutting cutting in there, Alex. Um, uh, you know, if we call it fuel poverty, or or if we have services that are specifically catering for people in fuel poverty, um, uh, rather than a service that could be available to anyone, paid consumers or Feel poor, and you know, which focuses on the amenity value, on the comfort improvements, or whatever. You know, um, is that a is is that something uh, that we should be considering? Just just to destigmatize yeah. it. Uh, absolutely, and the you know, we use we use the term fuel poverty or poverty as a you know, it's an academic um, term. You know, as I say, as, as Duncan said before, we don't we don't use phrases like this with our customers because you know. Um, it's not something that people will readily identify with, um, and to, to you know to take it to its purest form, we would need to do a profit loss calculation on your household income to work out if you are or are not in fuel poverty. This, my colleagues talk about fuel fear. You know, people who are scared of opening that bill or that email with the bill or whatever it is. You know, it's those people that will not you know, that will that will self disconnect or ration their energy. Because of the fear of that, and and you've also got the hid, the hidden element of this: the people that don't appear in the statistics that fall between the cracks as well, um, that are really you know they're they're very very hard to identify, um, and you can have people that are asset rich and very cash poor. Um, there's all sorts of scenarios, um, and you know when Duncan and I have, have have debated in the past, you know is that is that um, that part around the the work you can do on the fabric of a building um you know you can you can make that material upgrade um depending on how ambitious you want to be and i know duncan and i's conversations are always in the the ambitious space you know when we're talking you know it's retrofit and this what i know about passive houses from our conversations and and it's but what do you do with the individual and i was listening, i was listening back to some of the some of the podcasts that that um that you've done on this series and you know um it was it was um, with Dane Ralston was talking about some of the monitoring you, that you've been doing in some properties, and you know you've got the best technology on that property. That property is as effective as efficient as it, we believe it probably could be, and you're monitoring the behaviour of it, and you realise that the heating's not being put on. You know there is zero consumption happening, so you know you can have this A plus rated property with someone that is paralysed within it. So we've done, you know, we've done a lot of we've done a lot of work over the last decade or so with um, social landlords, with local authorities on the back of investment programs to make sure, you know, that that's that's the one way you truly um, realise the full benefit of that that retrofit or that upgrade, because that property can be excellent from a from a you know an EPC um, or a SAP rating perspective, 
but how that person uses it or how they're able to use it. So what, you know, often we, you know, these programs are often focused around fuel poor areas and, and, and areas of, of multiple deprivation. And we'll go in in advance of, of any of these sort of upgrades or, or um, pieces of work being done. And we'll work with the householders. And what you invariably find is people that have not got control of their energy, who um, even if you gave them, gave them um, you know, a, a full passive house solution, they would still owe their supplier five grand. They would still be petrified. They would still not fully understand. So we, we sort that situation out. And that's what our teams are, are, are excellent. You know, they're black belts at doing that now. And that, you know, that comes through in terms of how our, how our, our teams um, are able to often quite easily sort out what are very, very complex, very scary and very um, big issues for our customers. And they can, they can sort those out in relative ease from a customer's perspective. You know, it's, 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 it's done for you by our teams who are the experts. What, then, you, then you're winning. Yeah. So we've got that. Then you're talking about the potential that this new measure or this, this retrofit can have. That's when you start to realize the, the, the gains that it can have and the, the potential. So those, those choices, and I think that, that element of choice is really, really important. Alex, yeah. can, I, can, I, can I just ask one of, one of the, for, we've read the report, we've I've, I've had it since last week and the guys have all read it as well. And one of the things that perhaps if for those listening to this who haven't read it, uh, and it's important I think you cover it off, is because what, what I found particularly shocking, um, it's interesting your language there about fuel poverty. And I think, again, it shows perhaps our, my naivety, certainly, in, in, in the discussion around that. But can you just cover off this self-disconnecting issue as part which the report really flags at the start because because I think that's something that people would want to understand or hear specifically. Yeah, and just before you get into that, like the bit that really struck me, the phrase or the sentence that really struck out was, uh, "Nevertheless, the disconnected can be reconnected uh, through mentoring. Individuals are being pulled out of fuel poverty and given the chance to take control of their energy future." I mean, that sent a shiver down my spine reading that, like. That's such an insidious uh, underpinning to the whole infrastructure that we're talking about people's energy future. Like they might not have one. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that is horrific. And where we are today, but not, yeah. not surprising. Yeah. And, and you, know, you know, again, the sad part is it's not surprising. And the, 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 the way, the way that that, that, has come out through the, the research and the insight. And, you know, so we've, we've seen this for a long time, but the, it's an evidential approach we've used to, to bring that to life, to, um, to talk to more people about it and to, to look at, you know, we believe and we know we've got one of the solutions to help to, um, to tackle that challenge of um, um, self-disconnection, rationing, but, you know, I suppose reconnection in a sense. If you, if, you know, our, our customers, as I said, are, are, are vulnerable. And they are, you know, there's there's income challenges that they will face in terms of household income, um, whether that's um, employment and um, and the, the the rate of, of pay that they're able to get, whether it's benefits, whether it's um, you know welfare benefits that they they're eligible for and they and they they have that, that generates income for their household, um, but it's it, it's it's this amplifier effect, and we talk about the poverty premium. And you, I'm sure you will have be, be aware of that, you know, that where lots of our customers are at multiple disadvantage because of that, 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 that low income, the deprivation that they find themselves in, the challenge that they have. Um, they pay, you know, again, we highlight this, but they, the cost of energy is disproportionately higher, particularly for those with, with electric, um, electric heating rather than gas central heating. Um, prepayment meters, which are predominantly... Um, in you know, in just obviously in some of the areas that we conducted the research, but there's there's massive numbers of prepayment meters in um, you know, in more vulnerable areas. Scotland has a very high number, proportionately of of, of prepayment meters. How all of that um, manifests itself, you know, you've also got the worst act. If you've got um, bad credit, you've got the worst access to credit. If you've got, you know, all of these things multiply out, and we saw that. Um, I suppose in in we saw the, the spotlight being shone on that in COVID, and I remember I remember speaking um, at another um, event with the with the Poverty Alliance at 
sort of early into the lockdown. And someone used a phrase that, that really stuck with me. And it was like the best protection against COVID was to not be poor. And it was it, super, you know, it just hit, that hit me. That, that's the thing that sent shivers down my spine because it's that, that's where we saw this mag, magnified, you know, the, we're talking about people that can't work from home when the first minister says, or Boris Johnson says, please work from home. Um, people that, um, you know, as the, as the, the, the aren't on furlough or the, it, it, that, that level of, of income doesn't cut it. And they, they also then, you look at the, the fabric of the buildings that we're talking about. And this is where, you know, you guys have that, 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 that element of expertise, but there's some really poor standards of, of buildings and, you know, their, their, um, their ability to hold heat, their, what it takes to actually get them to an adequate, comfortable um, heating regime. And then that, that ever-increasing cost. Um, and you, you bring it back, when, it, when you bring it back into the light of fuel poverty, it's quite an easy decision to make to ration your energy or self-disconnect. Because if someone gives you that choice as to whether you are going to give your kids a hot meal tonight or a meal tonight versus can you stick a couple of extra jumpers on and not have the heating on? I mean, it's really stark, but that's what we're talking about. So it's a, it's a, it's a straightforward one to, do, to, to, to make. And I'd also, and I talk about this a lot with people when I'm talking about our fuel poverty work, but fuel debt. Now fuel debt is a scary, scary thing. And it's very, very easy for, for people to move into that. Um, and for that to spiral out of control. Um, and it's often in the, I suppose, in the batting order of, of debt, it's quite low down because if you have credit card debt, rent arrears or, you know, um, catalog, you know, something, um, you, will, you will look at um, those first. You'll look at your rent. You'll look at, do I owe a credit, you know, a lender money? And the, the fuel debt one will be further down here. Now, to sort, there are there's, there are amazing services that exist that help you navigate through all of that. But because of the nature of that debt, that financial debt, it's very complicated. You are you're talking about lengthy engagement with these organisations. You talk about lots of paperwork, scary stuff. You look at the fuel debt, and you actually look at what our teams do and other agencies across the UK. That can get sorted out like that with the right kind of support. You know, I'm talking about literally overnight, and we we bring out some examples in the report. We have thousands of, you know, stories from our colleagues about this, where we have written off thousands, tens of thousands for individual customers, tens of thousands of pounds within, on a, from, a, from the customer's point of view, from a single or a, a couple of conversations and engagements with us. Life-changing stuff. And it didn't require lots and lots of paperwork. It didn't require the, the, the mental toll of these engagements with services. It was a straightforward, um, good engagement with our teams in a way that works for that customer that got them to a really positive place that's put money back in their pocket we work with people and um, to help them check the eligibility for their benefits and and put significant amounts of money back into their pocket so you think about what budgeting decisions can then be made then you know it, it really is transformational and that's that's the bit about reconnecting because it is so easy to stop using your energy because it's a simple way to to maximise that income that you've got and how you use it. But, you know, everyone should have a warm, comfortable home. Yeah. Uh, Alex, I was, I was just put something in the chat there, but and, and I have to go in a couple, couple of minutes, but, um, you know, what, one of the things, and, and Dan was absolutely spot on, I used I used the term perfect storm. This, this isn't a storm. You, you could have, If you looked at this 10 years ago, you could have foreseen what was going to happen here uh, in terms of... Um, in terms of the regulatory situation and 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 society and, and things like that, but one of the things I've been on the Scottish Government Zest um, Committee, which is the Zero Ambitions uh, Social Housing Task Force, now I think we all we all expect and anticipate and would agree that we have to electrify heat. You know, I I think none of us here really see hydrogen as viable. It's just a a smoke screen. Um, so we have to electrify heat. We definitely have to move away from gas. But the the, the, the conundrum is that gas is significantly cheaper just now, um, three four pence kilowatt hour as opposed to fifteen to eighteen pence kilowatt hour just now. Interesting from your report, this the the, the majority I think I'm right in saying this of customers affected badly are are on electrical tariffs. I would imagine that's mostly direct to electric heating in in some way. 
I guess the question is, came back to what Dan said, that we, we need to think now about how we manage that transition because if we simply put in play lots of electric heating and even if we get some of the tariff uh, changes uh, around eco and things on an electric bill, you're still talking north of 10 pence a kilowatt hour, really. Uh, you know, what, I guess what should we be doing just now should we really be concerned because... You know, if 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 we are going to move to electrification of heat, it seems to me there's a big chunk in the middle towards the the bottom, the middle who could equally be tipped over into that fuel poor bracket. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it seems a concerning position that we're in just now as to the direction of travel. What's your kind of thoughts on that in terms of how things might might work out? Well, I think you know you you raise a, uh, an interesting point that I know it's it's not um, no one's cracked that nut yet because it's about you know we talk about a just transition. You know, that transition to, to net zero is, you know, there's no denying that, that is, that's that's a, a worldwide ambition that we've got to um that we've got to move towards that pace. But again, it, it comes, you know, I, I I'll bring it back to choice. Um and we all at the moment will all will all pay the same towards that agenda through the way that our the, the way that our um energy bills work. Um and you know, we we highlight in our report, you know, the the the, the significant um, point around this in terms of people's understanding of what that means and the significance that they put towards it. But there is no doubt that the decarbonisation of, or you know, the um, or you know, the electrifying of heat, but the decarbonisation of our our societies and the infrastructure we that we that we live and work in, you know, that will take eye-watering amounts of money, and. And a phenomenal effort worldwide, and you know that that was obviously a, a big focus in, in Glasgow last month, and you know, and, and COP, and all of the, the attention that goes around it. But I suppose what we what we put into the spotlight is, you know, minutes down the road from where those those conversations were happening in Glasgow, where people that will never be able to make the choices that we're that we're talking about unless we radically change how that how that system works. Now we're not coming at this with the answer to that to that problem, but we know that um, that getting you know giving giving the people that we work with those the most vulnerable the choice that that that's 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 the big question here. How how do we do this in a way that proportionately or, or doesn't disproportionately affect those who already found themselves left behind? How do we how do we make sure that they're not further left behind by their the ambition that we have to do the right thing from a from a carbon and a climate change point of view, um, and and our and again it comes back to you know we we talk about long term, you know relatively long term when we think about um, about debt zero. You know we talk about these targets. We talk about twenty thirty. We talk about these things that are a number of years away. We talk to our customers about how they're going to get through the next few weeks and how they're going to get through this winter. And that's the stark thing, you know, and that's what, you know, it's one of the sad realities we wanted to bring to life with, with what our customers face. But also, you know, on the flip side and the more positive side of that, how we're able to have a positive impact through the work we do, um, how we're able to find positive solutions for our customers. So it is a, it's a massive conundrum that, that, that Duncan raises there about um, how do we have a transition? And there's a lot of discussion and debate you know going on about this and I know we fed into that a bit and I know people like Duncan have too um but it's a really really important one because we will see um we'll see these numbers jump up if we get it wrong it strikes me that I mean obviously a lot of things need to change uh and they are changing whether we like it or not uh and it's only when you it's only when you have a critical mass of people all suffering in the same manner and when I say of people we I don't know if you clocked yesterday, but with the, the bill that went through Parliament, we created a caste system in the UK, uh, as well as having a, an economic caste system, which already exists. The poor are easy to ignore, and we have a whole new group of people that we are able to ignore. It's only going to become really inignorable, unignorable, uh, when the middle classes begin to really suffer. And I think... Uh, that's going to be difficult because of something Jeff alluded to earlier about comfort. Like we've deba debated the notion of comfort in homes and its relationship with heating. And one of the things we've discussed, I don't know if it's on the podcast or we've done it offline, is that 
there is an expectation that one's home in the UK isn't going to be especially comfortable as regards heat. We're all used to, I don't know, wearing a hat or a jumper or thick socks in our homes. And the expression down in Ireland is that, uh, uh, which is probably apt in this way, uh, in it, uh, although it's kind of the, the inverse in ways, is the, the burnt child loves the flame, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, like it's, it's preposterous, but it's there and it's already in our culture, this putting up with suffering. And the, the other part of this is, uh, I don't know if you've seen Jeff's TED Talk. He's been posting it on LinkedIn <laughs> recently. Like, uh, the title of it was Virtuous Luxury, like, which is like it's, it's a good headline, but it sends an awful lot of the wrong messages or, it, or rather it, it reinforces an awful lot of the insidious messages that uh, comfort is a luxury rather than something we should all be privy to. Uh, it, it isn't something that we should all have to strive for. It's something that we, I don't know if it's a human right, but certainly it should be to some degree. Uh, and until we change that attitude, which is going to take some shifting, we're going to have to, I mean, we will have to wait until the middle classes, the, until the, the, uh, the commentariat, the middle class columnists are screaming about it because it's costing them a lot of money. Uh, I mean, I don't know what uh, you guys think, Alex, Jeff. Well, I think a lot of the people you're talking about live in uh, very inefficient, cold buildings anyway that are, that, that, that are uh, probably very very difficult to heat, you know, no, no matter how much money you have to throw at it. Um, uh, along with that old-fashioned kind of Protestant uh, 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 notion, at least in Ireland, uh, of um, to the extent that we have any Protestants, um, of uh, you get cold, you put on another jumper. You know, it's good character-building stuff, you know. Um, so uh, uh, there's there's an element of that. I mean, they're not suffering, you know, in anything in any meaningful way. Um but uh, I think that that would be, you know, I guess the point for me is that um, that uh, even it's it's like in the same to the same sense that, that the likes of uh, of of Steve Jobs, uh, uh, sorry, my my eight year old boy is very excited that he is uh, a drawing that he'd he'd submitted to Match Magazine got in uh, was published this today so he's just whispered and walking through to whisper to that effect. But um, it's like, you know, Steve Jobs um, uh, uh, dying needlessly of cancer because he surrounded himself with uh, with with uh, nonsensical gurus who uh, who were telling him to eschew conventional treatment um, and, and go for, you know, raw food uh, treatment instead, instead of chemo or whatever. Just because you're well off doesn't mean you're getting um, good advice, you know, uh, or, or, or that, and doesn't mean that you understand that you can have... Uh, a better quality of life and so on in, in those regards. I don't want to talk about those people though, because I think you know the issue quite clearly is is people who are uh, who who are struggling and who've been who've been left behind. And I just think it is astonishing from reading your report, Alex. Um, uh, this you know the, the Keynesian kind of squalor. It's you. It's it's just unbelievable that in this day and age in the twenty first century we were talking about people on mass switching off. Or rationing their electricity, it is absolutely scandalous. I uh, so there's something deeply flawed, systemically wrong in 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 our system that that is permitted to happen. And I just wonder, um, from my experience of some of the dysfunctions in say government and and throughout society, one of the issues that I see when this is addressed is that fuel poverty, for instance, and say decarbonisation, they tend to be conceived of differently with different kinds of targets. Um, and and uh, and they're, they're, oftentimes it doesn't tend to be a kind of bigger picture view to understand how the how the different targets interface with each other and how uh, a drive, for instance, to decarbonize may, if you take it the wrong, if you take the wrong approach, may exacerbate fuel poverty problems, such as electrifi electrification of heat without finding ways to to uh, to put you know affordability um, and and the right to kind of to, to I don't know a house that's not going to kill you, you know, uh, uh, because of because of the temperatures that you're you're forced to endure. So I don't know what thoughts you have on on how to how to begin to tackle that mess. Well, I, I, I mean, our, we believe our role in this is to highlight the voice of those that that are, that are often less thought of in that debate because 
the you know if you look at you look at the headlines around climate change you look at you know cop you look at the things that that tends to get talked about the most it is the big um you know inverted comma sexy stuff it's renewables and it's um you know it's the the phenomenal work that that can be done with how we can decarbonize our infrastructure or how we can electrify heat and all of these things and it's um i think organizations like the wise group have got to to bring the voice of those who are you know left behind or or are missed in this debate to say well don't forget this side of it don't forget you know the 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 choices they don't get to make some of the choices that we're talking about and there is based on the way that things work at the moment they wouldn't by by putting that financial burden uh, universally across everybody that wouldn't that wouldn't that would just um plunge people into into to more more debt and and more perilous situations and you know it's and we've got to make sure that that voice and we hope that the work we've done you know and the work we'll continue to do and you know obviously we work across a spectrum of of um different areas fuel poverty is one it's very topical right now we know we do great work in that but you can't get away from it in the news right now because as as you said people who never thought about this before are, are suddenly affected by it um, and it's in the news everywhere. There's a supplier or two going bust every week, you know, and people are going, well, what's going on? And then suddenly it, it's them. It's impact, impacted them. They're moving to a different supplier. The bill has gone up quite a bit. And it's like, well, you know, it, it, it's hitting home. Um, and we, you know, um, but we need to talk about this from, from the, the point of the, the not sexy stuff and the really hard hitting stuff um, because it, it makes... Um, you know, it makes difficult reading, and we know that. And our colleagues have some heartbreaking stories that they that, that we talk about every day. But I, I suppose I'd bring it back to the the, the the positive side. We have some amazing heartwarming stories from how we're able to help people as well. Um, and you know, it's we know that we've got we've got a, a strong approach in terms of how we uh, you know our our, our, our method of, of of adopting a mentoring approach. In terms of how we work with people, how we create that um, relationship with individuals, with households, and we move them to positive destinations. And I'll, I'll also say this: we don't just do that and we sort your energy bills out and then we jog on. You know, we work with people to su- to support them in every way that we possibly can. And if it's not something that the wide group does directly, then by God, we know someone that does do it, and we work with them to access all of the support they need. Whether that is, you know, obviously we work with thousands of people coming out of prison. Um, and, you know, I, I could have, I'm sure we could have a separate debate that would go on for hours about some of the challenges of, of the justice system and the number of people that are released homeless, that don't have an address, that are left with a very small amount of money on release with the clothes they were wearing when they were incarcerated and then just left to, to um, integrate back into society. Now it's, and there's there's some you know for those that aren't close to that system there's some horrible realities that um, that exist and we built our services on um, we are there we work with people six months or so before they come out and we are there when they're released we're there at the gate physically at the gate and we work with people to access every, everything that they need and the first thing is about accommodation if you've not got an address it all falls apart. Um, and so we we work with our customers. We'll we'll work with people. They'll they'll engage with us because they have a, a debt or their boiler's broken or they need help and their energy. But once you've established that relationship, you find out if you're not affording your energy bills, you're probably not affording lots of your other bills as well. So we we wrap our arms around those people to move them towards positive destinations. And we've had phenomenal stories. We've got people um, back into work from that. We have. Um, we have met, we've got people who now tell us that their daughter will let them look after their grandkids because their house is is warmer and their, their their physical health is better because you know they've been living either you know without energy or without enough to, to stay warm. We've helped people who've not used energy in decades and we've come across them because someone's put them towards us for help and they've been paying for it but they've not used it. Twenty we had someone that was nearly twenty years. And they got, I think we got them 19,000 pounds back. And they hadn't had a central 
heating system in all of that time. Within within 30 days of our engagement, they had a, a brand new central heating system and just a phenomenal change in circumstances. You know, but hopefully, you know, it gives you that perception of the kind of things that we find and the sound realities we find, but also the the way that we're able to, in relative terms, very easily sort that out from a from an individual perspective. So our, our, I suppose our our reference point here is how we how we policymakers to 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 make changes in that, but also roll out the um, the way that we can the, the way that we can successfully do that to the people that need the help now, not in twenty thirty. Absolutely. I wanted I wanted to also um, ask you something because you mentioned uh, Leona. I thought you made a really interesting point. So one of the the things that we need to do to reduce carbon emissions is to uh, retrofit existing um, houses. And that's uh, uh, one of the, the solutions that's being forward as, uh, put forward as a really important part of, the, well, part of the solution. But you mentioned right at the beginning that there were people who were being put into these lovely, warm, well, uh, nicely insulated houses, but were still actually unable to uh, benefit from, because they couldn't actually afford the, the heating. And I think that that's a really interesting point because the idea, the naive idea is that if we just fix all these homes, suddenly everyone is going to be happy and have to worry about a bill ever again. But you just pointed out that actually that is still a very, very big problem. So I was wondering if you could tell us more about that as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, I've, I've been talking to, um, particularly in Scotland, I've been talking to policymakers on this for, for a long time. And, you know, it's, it's probably how Duncan and I met, actually, in terms of, you know, that fabric first approach that that is that is obvious, um, and there are there are solutions. Depending on how much money you want to spend and you can spend, you can you can upgrade, you can click things onto that property, you can change things for the better to make it more effective and more efficient. But um, some or all of that can be irrelevant if you don't work adequately with the personal people living within that property. So, and a great example of how you can get it wrong is you can put someone into fuel poverty. So, and we've seen this. So you've got someone living in a, a, a leaky, old, inefficient property and a local authority or a housing association comes along and at no cost to that, that householder upgrades the efficiency of their building. And that person, imagine that person wasn't using their energy because they couldn't afford it. Well, they just didn't. And then someone tells them that their, their property is now super duper. And they start turning it on and they've gone from zero pounds to 50 pounds because of that upgrade. So they're worse off. Um, and then you've got you've got the simple behavior change element of it as well. Um, where if you don't fully understand, you know, and, and you, you get as people who have got the windows open constantly because and they're overheating those properties. But there's, there's all of that. The, the, the significant part that we find in this work and the reason that we engage with um, the policymakers on this, but also why, I mean, we're engaged with uh, lots of local authorities in Scotland on this, lots of housing associations as well, on the back of some of the investment programmes that they have, which are sometimes driven by legislation that they need to keep up with in terms of efficiency standards. But it's it's how you deal with the human element of these programmes. It's critically important. Um, and it's quite easy as well. You know, it might take a little bit more money, a small proportion of investment of that wider program that could be millions on the human side of, of what you do. And, and our approach, go in there before that work starts and, and work out where that person is in terms of their situation, particularly from an energy point of view. And what you do find because of the nature of where these, prog these programs aren't focused on people with, with lots of money and fancy cars and big houses, they're in areas of deprivation. That's where that investment gets focused. So the people that we engage with often really need a helping hand with how they manage their energy, writing off debt, getting onto the right kind of plan. We get meters changed regularly, and you find out people have had the wrong type of meter on the wrong tariff for a long time. And they, you know, unbeknown to them, it's been a, it's been detrimental. So we can get that side sorted. Then you can also, and I think this is important from a, a, a retrofit point of view. And, um, there's these added benefits that come because, because the nature of, of energy efficiency upgrades that happen now are not the, the two-hour jobs that used to be of cavity wall and loft insulation, where there's someone there and then they're gone that afternoon. You're talking about scaffolding and building warrants and weather dependency and months of, and, and your nice front garden getting trampled 
you know, so we we are also able to set the expectations for these pieces of work and say, look, it is going to be a bit like this. It's going to be a bit, and if it slows for a month, it will probably slow down the work and it'll be a bit noisy. But once it's done, you should see a, a phenomenal difference. And then we can go back, particularly after a heating period as well, and start to um, talk to talk to the, those householders about how it feels, what difference that's been made. We can get statistical information. You know, we've done our own um, little bits and bobs of monitoring, not to the not to the scale that that Dane and others uh, have done it. But you know, you can monitor some of the sort of relative humidity and things of that property. But you can monitor how much they use, and that that gives you great stuff. But again, for us, from a human point of view, the things that we get back from the people we work with, they tell us that it feels better. They're proud of that home. They they don't suddenly they don't hear the traffic out on the street anymore. Their 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 sons and daughters let them look after the grandkids. They're not they're not at the doctors as much. Things that are harder to scientifically prove, but they're the things that are the people that we work with. Our customers are telling us, and they're phenomenal impacts. And we feed that back to the people we're working with and to the government as well, and and to demonstrate the impact of this because you know it's very easy to miss that out because the technical solutions to energy efficiency are exciting you can you can tangibly put money and progress towards those and say right we've done all of that um completely all pointless unless we do what you're doing which is actually looking at how the buildings are, are you know are being used in reality you know um and uh, it's one thing to be logging the data and that's very very important of course um, yeah. but this other element of engaging with people you know um not just Throwing a technical, uh, and it may well be that a te technical solution is part of what you're proposing, but not just doing that and then uh, finishing it and then washing your hands of it. Can't do that. There's a process. It was years after, I mean, must I, I, I daren't say how many years after starting the magazine that I first heard the term soft landings. It's a term that academics in the UK use to describe the handover of a building. Um, so that you you sit down, there's a process to it, there's a science to it. You don't do it when people have just moved in, for instance, because they're giddy. You know, they're excited with their new house, yeah. right? Or or with their retrofitted house. You wait. Um and you and you go you uh you go through you wait a few weeks, you go through, you sit them down and you explain uh how the building is supposed to work. And you think up front, of course, about about usability, about functionality, about user experience, I guess, um, uh, so that you're giving them a fighting chance, and you of, of of using the building well. You you take account of the the risks of um, in in your specification of rebound effects, for instance, of people, you know, these phenomena of people having longer showers because they've got solar and they think it's all free, for instance, all this kind of stuff, you know? So um, yeah. it's, I just have to, to, to credit you. It's, 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 we don't hear these stories often enough. Um, and it is absolutely central to our success uh, that, 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 uh, that we start, that we start to do so. Well, part of what you alluded to, Alex, was <clears throat> how this contributes to a quality of opportunity, you know, the, 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 the flawed and mythical notion of meritocracy that doesn't really exist is absolutely unattainable, unattainable to the, the people who live in the most impoverished circumstances. The worst schools, the worst opportunity to, for kids to learn if their homes are cold. You know, you can't concentrate if you're, and we won't even get into the, the, the hunger issue. So just fixing the fabric and fixing the mentality, like the mentoring I read about in the report, man, it just sounds magnificent. Like I'd, I'd never heard of such a thing, you know, I would wondered whether such a thing might exist, but the way you talk about it, the way you imbue people with confidence to manage their own problems, uh, that just sounds absolutely wonderful. Like under the circumstances Duncan's talked about, I mean, I'm going to blow his trumpet a little bit. Uh, he's talked about being so shocked by homes that he's gone into. He's hidden money uh, and left the place without mentioning anything just to give them a little bit of help. Like what you're doing is infinitely, well, not infinitely, because cash given to the, the poorest always helps the most. But what you're offering is something even more uh, constructive than that. And so like what I find myself wondering is like, how do people find out about you or how do they access your services? And I mean, what sort of capacity do you have to even offer them any further? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think you the, you put your maker out the, the the situations that people like Duncan have, have have found with going into properties. I mean, our our colleagues, um, 
myself included over the years, you know, some of the things are, 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 are heartbreaking that we've seen, we've come across unexpectedly. People haven't said, this is what I'm facing, come and see me. You just come and see them and then you find it. And it, you know, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and a bit like, you know, you, you talk about Duncan, you know, hiding the money and, and giving them that, that, that leg up. We've, over the years, we've, we've adapted some of the things that we do where we've, we've put together crisis funds. So when we do come across someone that, that is in absolute dire straits, that we will get them out of that crisis straight away. The discretion of our colleagues, they will, they will whether it's a tenner, whether it's 150 quid to get them out of that situation, we give our colleagues the discretion to do that based on what they find. But then, but it's not, that's not it. It's not like going to the food bank, getting your parcel and then coming back. You'll need that again in two weeks or a week or whatever. So the difference in terms of how we can do it from an energy point of view is, yeah, we can get that crisis off, off the table right now, but then our arms are around you so that that crisis will never come back again. So that wraparound support, it's not a sticking plaster. It's that full engagement. It's whatever it takes to get that person to that positive place. Now, we've, we've, we've developed these services over years, over decades, and we've built up significant um, referral networks of services. So people, you know, um, we, we proactively engage with as many services that we can, anyone that will speak to us, because, you know, you don't have to think too far to think, well, how many services, either statutory services or, or services in the, in the public and private sector, will engage with people who might need the help from people like us? And, and in some cases, that's an education thing. We'll go out and talk to them and, and about the kind of people we work with. Um, we've worked with financial institutions who have come to talk to us about things completely unrelated, you know, binary things about, you know, can we help do business banking and stuff? And we've, we've ended up saying, do you know what our customers deal with? Because we, we want to show you. We will only, as, a, as an enterprise, we will only do business with people who share our values. So we will... You know, it, whether that's the people doing our business banking or the people that want to work with us strategically, they need to be on the same page as us. So you can do our banking or you can do our whatever, but we need to see value both ways and you need to buy into the mission that we're on. So we build up these networks and we're, I suppose, we're well known, but it's not good enough. So we have free phone services. We have free phone numbers that people can access, but we, we, um, we see a huge amount of, um, of traffic and engagement towards our services from our referral networks because people, it's, it's when people are engaging with a service and they realize the extent to which a person might need help. Whether you've engaged because you were looking for work with the job center, whether you've engaged with because you've been released from prison, whether your boiler broke or your mother-in-law's boiler broke and you needed to phone someone to talk about that situation, then it's it's once once you once you've engaged and and got that 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 support, we tend we tend to win every time as well. So you have success straight away. And once you've got that success, people open up and say, Well, can you also help me with, with this? Um, but we've got, you know, um people can phone us, people can engage with us, um, and they do at, at scale. And we are now working with, we're, you know, we're, we're, we are, we are scaling up our, the way that we can um, support people across the UK because it's needed. So we're working with... Seriously levelling up as well, just to, you know, keep, yeah. keep it on brand with Boris, Alex. Jesus, did you not get the well, memo? No, no, um, didn't get that one. So <laughs> um, the, you know, we are, you know, we're working with energy providers now who have to support their vulnerable customers. They have, they have made commitments, but they're, but, you know, doing things at scale for them is, is challenging and we get that and we can play an active role. We know what works. We know how to, um, how to support customers. So we can provide that, um, that element of, of support where it's needed. Um, but that takes, that takes positive intention from stakeholders. It takes policymakers. It takes it takes money. It takes investment, um, and you know we do phenomenal things, and we do it at scale. You know we'll, we've helped thirty something thousand people with through our fuel poverty programs this year, um, but that's scratching the surface. There's so much more to do, um, and we know that we can't do this alone. And part of what we want to do through our through our insight and our evidential approach is, is bring this to the fore. 
and get people talking about it, get people taking action on it. Um, not debating it and having targets for 10 years' time, but taking action on it now, like we are. Fantastic. I, I wanted to ask you again about something you mentioned earlier, which is the, the stigma attached uh, to all of this. I think that's a really important aspect because we keep talking about the, you know, the human aspect of this, the technical stuff. We sort of know what we're doing. I think it's fine. We know it needs a lot of money, but it can be done. Technically, it's it's not really a, an issue from that perspective. But the stigma attached is absolutely massive. And if I understand correctly, once you've got the people uh, into, into your environment, it becomes really easy to support them and show them that this is actually okay and that they've got people who understand them. But have you been able to sort of find out why people will will not come to you and you know maybe tell us more about the, the the stigma that's attached. I think it's really important to understand more of that as to what are their reasons for for not wanting to to engage and then actively sort of hurting themselves. It's not their fault, but that's what's happening because of the the effect. Well, I think yeah, I mean it, it's it's it, I think there's a there's an element of human nature in it. Where if you find yourself in a difficult situation, if you say say debt, that's probably one of the most impactful ones. If you're in huge debt. Um, it's probably not something you're shouting from the rooftops and telling all your mates and strangers on the street about. Um, and it's quite, a, it's, a, it's a very challenging thing. And then, you know, the one thing we haven't talked about much yet, but is prevalent through the work that we do is the mental health um, issue and the mental health and well-being impact that this has. You know, it's not just about being cold and uncomfortable and, and, and damp and miserable at home. It's the toll that that takes mentally on the people that we work with. And um, we 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 find and we 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 now have our own um, person-centered counseling services that we deliver for our customers and also our colleagues because of the, some of the things that they experience and some of the situations that they find themselves in. But overcoming that stigma is really challenging. And um, but I suppose I'll come back to one of the things I said said before is that we often win. So someone will engage with our services and um, we we build that trust. And our fuel poverty work and the work we do in this space is probably the most um, impactful example. Because if you if you engage with our services because you owed your supplier thousands and it was you know you you were at your wits end about this, and some some um, you engage with our service, we would be able to get that sorted pretty quickly for you. And then that and then we've won. We've got your you know almost we win that that trust, um, and you really start. That's when you start to really build that relationship because. You know, and no one's profiting from that apart from the customer who gets the help. You know, we just we are there to get to lift people out of poverty. So, um, but we we also work as it's why we also try and build that referral network and work with with agencies that might come across people who don't naturally present for help because those are the people that most need the help. Um, so, and that's often debt. Um, it's some of the health. Services. You know, those are the people where you know if you you have a critical operation and then you're released from you know from um, medical care into a cold, damp home. Mm. You know, even though there is support there that you're eligible for, and there's help that you can get. You know, and this is how you know. I suppose it's a, it's, a, it's a great example of how if you click some of these systems together properly, how phenomenal it could be. Absolutely. I mean, it's funny you talk about um how how to identify people that just brought to mind for me. An Irish long-standing um, energy consultant and renewables sort of um, uh, consultant called Bill Quigley, who pointed out that there was a received view that that one of the ways you could identify people in need of of, uh, of assistance from a fuel poverty perspective was if you saw um, if you looked at a row of houses in the winter and looked at the roof lines and you see frost on the roof. If there's frost or snow on the roof, um, it means that it's a well-insulated roof, and if it's not. You know, then it means that it's then the heat has melted. And the point that Bill made made was that actually, no, uh, the the, the snow covered roof or the frosty roof can, in fact, be somebody who's not using any heating at all because they've got no money. You know, so it's an extraordinary one. Look, Alex, thank you so much for giving you uh, for giving us so much of your time today. This is yeah. an extremely important issue. It's one we will have to return to. And this is a, this is an issue that there has to be a way of reconciling these different uh, ambitions, should we say? Um, uh, and, you know, in a way that that, uh, that that because, as you say, you know, we can get to zero just through cutting off the supply for people, but that's uh, that's not what it's about. We've got to find ways of actually improving people's lives. Um, 
without destroying the planet too. Thank you so much. I wish you the best luck with your endeavors. We'll post a link to the report um, on, uh, on on the, the site, uh, on the blurb for the podcast. But uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much and keep yeah. good work. And if you yeah. give us any other links that we should be sharing uh, about yeah, access to services, like drop it in and we'll circulate yeah. it however we can. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for, for taking the time and the, the great conversation we've had today. And, and I suppose that I'll sign off by saying, you know, we can't do this alone. So we need people to, to work with us on this. And, and you know, as I say, I'll, I'll send you all the information that you need for people to get in touch with us to talk about this and debate it and get involved because that's what we need. But thank you. Appreciate it. Take care.